We need to go to the end of chapter 2, and I hope you brought your Bibles. We need to recognize that these vilified people, people really rag on Job's comforters, and they should. But until the end of chapter 2, they're doing better than most of us would. Let's do a, uh, a thought experiment. Let's imagine that a father and his two children, taking his two children to school, this morning got hit by a train and all three are dead. And let's imagine that sometime today you're in the village market and the wife who this morning was a wife and mother and now is a widow and bereft, She's in the village market. You know her. She's a friend of the family. She's just turning the corner down by the milk. You're, you're by the produce. She's by the milk. Just turning the corner. She doesn't see you. What are you likely to do? What are most people likely to do? Pardon? Nothing. Nothing. You're glad she doesn't see you, and you leave it at that, and you make sure that you're somewhere else in the VM than she is. Most of us would react that way. Why? We hate her? No. Why, Jesse? Why avoid her? In a situation like that, you don't know what to say. I mean, if somebody breaks his arm, it's not that big a deal to say, wow, sorry about your arm. You know, got a dented fender, ooh, sorry about that. No problem. But when something this enormous happens, when something this absolutely devastating happens, we don't know what to do. We're afraid that anything we say is going to be inadequate. Job's friends do better than that. They come and sit with him and weep. And that's not a bad answer. As I say, it's better than most of us would do. Just going to that woman with tears and embracing that woman, if you're a woman. Otherwise, weep with her a little, wordlessly. You know what's the worst thing to do? Family lost their little baby, three months old or something. Lady came up to them in church and said, do you know what happened? That little baby was so perfect that God wanted to have that little baby with him right now. This makes God into a child murderer. This lady is trying to do good, but she has opened her mouth and done some theology. No, 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 no. There's another answer we'll see in the book of Job, an even better answer. 
But to begin with, what these men do is better than what most of us would do. You just see that clearly. And then, chapter 3, Job opens his mouth and curses his birthday, the day of his birth. Right? Doesn't curse God, but curses the day of his birth. And he said, Let the day perish wherein I was born, and the night in which it was said there is a man-child conceived. He wants not to have been conceived, certainly not to have been born. If you look at it mathematically, he's had a pretty good go. But at this moment, all taken away. He feels severe depression. Let darkness, let that day be darkness. Let there not have been a day there at all. Just one night to another night, and that's all. No daylight. Let darkness and the shadow of death stain it. Let a cloud dwell upon it. Let the blackness of the day terrify it. As for that night, let darkness seize upon it. Let it not be joined unto the days of the year. Let it not come unto the number of months let that night be solitary, and let no joyful noise, voice come therein. Let them curse it that curse the day, who are ready to raise up their mourning. Really wishes he had never been born. Have you ever wished you had never been born? Some in this class have. It's always true. It's always true. God's blessing remains, though. And if we open to that blessing, that day of our birth will have been a blessing. Hard to remember that in some circumstances. Under grace, we can. I've been suicidal twice in my life. Praise God I didn't do it either way, either time. It looked like there was no good thing that was going to come to me. The Lord led me through it through grace. I'm very grateful. If you're feeling suicidal, let the Lord have it. Grace is sufficient for you. And the life he has for you is so much better than you can imagine. That if he told you all about it, it would be too sweet to bear. And I say that from my experience. But he's feeling suicidal. And he goes on. Why died I not from the womb? Why did I not give up the ghost when I came out of the belly? 11. Why did the knees prevent me? And that's an old English word. It means, go before me in welcome. Do you know what happens to babies who are not welcomed into the world? They die. Russian um, orphanages 
the babies were cared for, but never felt a loving touch. And they died. Why was I welcomed into the world? Why didn't I just die? Apparently Job understands something of that. For now I should have lain still and been quiet. I should have slept. Then I had been at rest with kings and counselors of the earth, which built desolate places for themselves. They've gone into ruin. Or with princes that had gold who filled their houses with silver. There the wicked cease from troubling. There the weary be at rest. Yes, it's true. 20. Wherefore is light given to him that is in misery and life unto the bitter and soul? For the Greek, there's no answer. It's just the way it is. We're all victims. Which long for death, but it cometh not and dig for it more than hid treasures, which rejoice exceedingly and are glad when they can find the grave. You know about the lantern down here, four corners? It's full of very old people who pray for death nightly. How do we face that? trying to prepare for my own death, of course. The odds are that it's going to hurt like crazy. I'm trying to prepare myself and pray that I will never lose my hold on Christ and will never lose my trust of His timing. That's a prayer I give. We will see. How you die is the last great witness. So, and then he says something very interesting, 25. For the thing which I greatly feared has come upon me. Mm. He's been afraid of this. And that of which I was afraid has come upon me. I was not in safety, neither had I rest, neither was I quiet. Trouble came. What are you afraid of? Everybody's afraid of something. What are you afraid of? There are people who are so afraid of losing friends, of being friendless, young people particularly, they follow the in crowd even though they know that it's wrong. What are you afraid of? What am I afraid of? Whatever we're afraid of, disease, danger, the future? All of us are afraid of the future. Under grace, we can be steadfast regardless of the temptation of fear. Daniel 3, three kids look at Nebuchadnezzar and say, we don't know whether God is going to save us or not but we're not going to bow down to that idol. And they walk into the furnace and they're joined by Christ. Wonderful thing to remember. Wonderful thing to remember. Anywhere with Jesus I can safely go.
That's true. If I am destined to lose all my friends because I stand for the right, many have done that. Well, so be it. There's only one fear to have, and that's the fear of the Lord. Well, Job has opened his mouth, so Eliphaz the Temanite feels that it's okay to talk now after seven days. And then he says something that always makes me smile. He says, if we essay to commune with thee, wilt thou be grieved? If a friend of yours looks at you and says, now, now don't get angry, but you know one thing for sure. What's that? You're going to be mad. <laughs> okay, You know it's coming. If we essay to commune with thee, wilt thou be grieved? But who can withhold himself from speaking? You, apparently, for seven days. Did better than most. Don't lose your hold on your virtue. Who can withhold himself from speaking? And now, suddenly, what he says is very damaging. He had three friends until this speech and now the friends will be withdrawn too he's going to be very alone Satan wants you to feel alone can you stand it when it's just you and Christ behold he says in almost a sneer thou hast instructed many and thou hast strengthened the weak hands that's a wonderful thing he's noticed Thy words have upholden him that was falling, and thou hast strengthened the feeble knees. But now it has come upon thee, and thou fadest. Does that ring any little bells in the back of your head? Any little comment that you remember from somewhere else in the Bible? That accusation? You've helped other people, but now it's come upon you and you're fading. Uh-huh. Becky? He saved others. Himself he cannot save. It was a taunt! Quite true, though. Is not this thy fear, thy confidence, thy hope, and the uprightness of thy ways? Remember, I pray thee, who ever perished being innocent? That's Zeus's question to Athena. Whoever, whoever perished being innocent? What's the answer? Sorry? Christ perished being innocent. Whether they know about this beforehand, we don't know. But it's a good question, and again, it's Zeus's question. Why 
men, how men blame the gods, it's mostly their own fault. Where were the righteous cut off? Well, Christ was. Even as I have seen, they plow in, they that plow iniquity and sow wick, so wickedness reap the same. By the blast of God they perish, and by the breath of his nostrils are they consumed. The roaring of the lion and the voice of the fierce lion, <clears throat> the teeth of the young lions are broken. The old lion perishes for lack of prey. Well, all this is very nice. What's he saying in such eloquence? What's his message? You brought this on yourself. How? Some, some sin. Some sin. Now, does Eliphaz know of any sin that Job has has committed? Nope. So he is going to be accusing Job, and his two friends are going to join in. They're going to join in accusing Job of a sin that they can't name and don't know about. Because the evidence of his suffering means to them that he must have sinned. But they don't know that. And it turns out their theology is very faulty. We know already. God has pronounced Job perfect and upright. Why does Eliphaz think he knows better? And now we get to a very interesting and often misunderstood portion of chapter 4. Now a thing was secretly brought to me, and mine ear received a little thereof. Oh, he's going to be modest. I, I heard a little of it. I got a little of it. He's going to be modest. In thoughts from the vision of the night, when deep sleep falleth upon, on, on men, fear came upon me and trembling, which made all my bones to shake. So he's had a dream that scared him to death. Then a spirit passed before my face. The hair of my flesh stood up. Ugh. Whatever this thing is, it's scary. It stood still, but I could not discern the form thereof. An image was before mine eyes. There was silence, and I heard a voice saying, Shall mortal man be more just than God? Shall a man be more pure than his maker? Behold, he put no trust in his servants, and his angels he charged with folly. How much less in them that dwell in houses of clay, whose foundation is in the dust, which are crushed before the moth. They are destroyed from morning to evening. They perish forever without any regarding it. Doth not their excellency, which is in them, go away? They die, even without wisdom. That's quite a speech. And of course it goes on in chapter 5. But let's just stop at the end of chapter 4, the last few verses. That spirit came to Eliphaz in a dream. What do you know about that spirit? Vague. Can't quite see it. Kind of out of focus. Rachel. How do you know it's the devil speaking? Because he's creating like questions in this guy's mind, saying you can't 
trust God because look at what he's done to these angels. If you can't trust God, if God is evil, why not man evil? If, if, if God himself is unjust, of course man sins. What specifically in these verses tells you that this is Satan? Yes, first of all, the general tone of accusing God. Satan means the accuser. He's accusing God. What is he saying specifically? He put no trust in his servants. What do you think about that? Put no trust in his servants. Means the his angels he charged with folly. Go ahead. I think Satan's a little bit bitter. Like it's bitterness coming out. There's there's a lot of bitterness here. This is the bitterness of a fallen angel. But what about the specific charge? He put no trust in his angels. Mrs. Roof, I think you're well, bursting this. Ah, okay, Cecilia. <laughs> I don't know. Is he saying that basically that the angels knew better, but Jesus didn't believe that, that their way was better than his way, so he didn't trust? Is that what he's saying? I think it may be simpler than that. But, but yeah, it, it, it probably contains that, that he knew their way was better, but wouldn't let him do it. The fact is, how can you not have trusted God? Did you want to? I just want to say, you know, God has put his trust in Job. Yes. Instead of the angels. Okay. So that That's cool. Satan really That's going to be pretty mad. Satan's yeah. going to get pretty mad. Yeah, you, you but the question is, did God trust his angels? Yes. Sure, you can't, you can't swindle somebody who doesn't trust you. Okay. The sin was possible. The devil's sin was possible because of God's trust. He allowed them that choice. That's trust. So this is a bald-faced lie. Well, Satan is the father of lies. What else would you expect? So we have a dream which is clearly satanic. Again, how much less than them that dwell in houses of clay? And as Mrs. Rufus pointed out, he's trusted Job. Satan no longer worthy of trust. Satan's probably jealous, among other things. Yeah, it's good. Ah, oh, they are crushed before the moth. Do you see the cruelty in that word crushed? What's just happened to his children? I mean, as he thinks about the horror of how they died, and now that word pops up to give him even more pain. Calculated cruelty 
and not lying. And now he's mocking, chapter 5. Call now, if there be any that will answer thee. He isn't sure, he doesn't think so. All of this based on supposed wisdom that he's gotten from a satanic dream. Call now, mocking. See if there be any that will answer thee. There's echoes of the crucifixion here too. He calleth upon uh, Elias. See whether Elias will come down and save him. And to which of the saints wilt thou turn? For wrath killeth the foolish man, and envy the slayeth the, filly, the silly one. I have seen the foolish taking root. That's Job. But suddenly I cursed his habitation. That's true. Eliphaz is in fact cursing Job here. He's discouraging Job. Effectively trying to limit God's ministry to Job. And then he goes again. He says, I suddenly have cursed his habitation. Yes. His children are far from safety and they are, uses the word again, crushed in the gate. Wow. Neither is there any to deliver them. This is almost sneering. Whose harvest the hungry eateth up and taketh it out even of the thorns and the robbers swalloweth up their substance. Though affliction cometh not forth of the dust, yet neither does, does trouble spring out of the ground. Yet man is born under trouble as the sparks fly upward. What do you think? Man, Andrea. Greeks will tell us that it's true, and it is. We are born into a veil of tears, but we are also born with the potential, given Christ's blessing, of glory. Not available to Greeks, Greek thinkers who do not accept Christ. Not available. There's only one way, one name whereby we must be saved, and that is the name of Christ. Man is born under trouble, but a Christian born again is born unto eternal life. See the point? The Greeks have it half right, and 50% is an F in most grading scales. Man is born under trouble as the sparks fly upward. Now, having said all this about God, God put no trust in his servants, and he won't, you know, involve, and call now and see if there any be any that answer thee, the implication being that you won't. Now, suddenly, in verse uh, 8 of chapter 5, he says, piously, I would seek unto God. 
and unto God I would commit my cause. Why? A God like you've just defined? You've just described a God that now you say, go and talk to God? C.S. Lewis, quoting somebody, said, hell is inaccurate. Hell doesn't have to make sense. Hell can be self-contradictory. Sure. Having just uh, excoriated God as an unworthy God, he then suddenly steps over into self-righteous piety and says, I would seek unto God, and unto God would I commit my cause. Maybe you should do that, Eliphaz. You've got yourself a satanic dream here that you're thinking of as wisdom. You're working with the wrong powers. Take your own advice. Which doeth great things and unsearchable, marvelous things without number, who giveth rain upon the earth and does all these wonderful things, la-di-da-di-da, and saves this and does that. Yeah, but you've just given us a very different picture of God. Which one are you going to believe? And he says finally at the end of chapter 5, Thou shalt know also that thy seed shall be great, and thy offspring is the grass of the earth. Thou shalt come to thy grave in a full age, as like a shock of corn cometh in his season. Lo, this, we have searched it. He's talking for his two friends. But he's not talking really from anything but this satanic dream. We have searched it, so it is. Hear it, and know it is thou it for thy good. So self-satisfied, isn't he? The self-satisfied thinking of the satanic thinker. He knows everything. No, you don't. Oh, what is Job going to answer? Chapter 6. Oh, that my grief were thoroughly weighed and my calamity laid in the balances together. The implication is you have no idea of the misery you are addressing so glibly. Job is learning something that these men have no clue about. This, this, suffering he's going through is teaching him something about the world. He hasn't learned it. But the depths of this misery are teaching him. And they have no idea what it's like. They don't understand his pain. And so he tries to tell them about it. For now it would be heavier than the sand of the sea, therefore my words are swallowed up. For the arrows of the Almighty are within me, the poison whereof drinketh up my spirit, and the terrors of God do set themselves in array against me. They apparently do not know about Satan. Everything comes from God. That is close to an accusation, isn't it? 
Is it a curse? That's the whole thing on which this, this depends. He speaks as he finds. He thinks it's God's arrows and the poison thereof. Not a curse, though. He doesn't curse the God who has done this. He simply cries about it. Oh, that I might have my request, verse 8. Oh, that God would grant me the thing I long for, even that it would please God to destroy me, that he would let loose his hand and cut me off. He wants God to destroy him. What's the difference between Job and Judas? Judas tried to be in charge of Christ and force him to declare his kingdom with 30 pieces of silver. And when that didn't work, Judas felt terrible. And Judas decided that he would kill himself. Do you see a difference between this and Job? Job wishes that God would kill him, but he does not kill himself. He does not pretend as though he's in charge of his own death. Jesse? He doesn't pretend that he's in charge of his own death. He prays that God would see fit to kill him, but he does not kill himself. It's like his first statement. He wishes he were dead, but he does not kill himself. And then he says in 15 something very interesting about his brothers, these three guys. Have dealt deceitfully as a brook, and as the stream of brooks that pass away, <coughs> which are blackish by reason of the ice, and wherein the snow is hid, what time they wax warm, they vanish. When you come to the summertime and you're really thirsty, these intermittent streams dry up. These were fair weather friends. Now, even as fair weather friends, they do better than we do, sitting six days, I'm sorry, seven days a night. But still, when they open their mouths, they betray him. And they are deceitful as a brook that disappears in hot weather. And then he says, 21, for now ye are nothing. You see my casting down and are afraid. Years ago, when I was a flight instructor at Andrews, another flight instructor was killed in an accident with a student. And it was a very puzzling accident. I won't go through the details. And so the rest of us got together when we were around and discussed what Darrell had done wrong. Why? And we came to some conclusions, though we didn't know. 
There was no knowing. The, the NTSB couldn't figure out why they'd crashed. But we pretended that we knew. Why would we have done that? Job says so. For now ye see my casting down, and you're afraid. Here's what you've done wrong. You've done something wrong. Implication, I haven't done that. Can't happen to me. We were afraid. We were worried. Uh, you know, they say, when I became a flight instructor, they said, well, you know, some of the nicest guys are going to try and kill you. And it was true. Every 50 or 100 hours, a student of mine would do something that was life-threatening. Couldn't get insurance. So we decided that we would figure out Daryl because we were in that same situation and wanted comfort of knowing that we wouldn't do such a thing. No. Don't try and figure it out if you don't know. The great, the great, one of the great themes of the book of Job, we'll leave it here. One of the great themes of the book of Job is silence. When you don't know, keep your mouth shut. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen.